This is Keeping Current with Wayne Potter. Welcome to Keeping Current, the weekly current affairs program with your host, Wayne Potter. Welcome to the Keeping Current show. This is Wayne Potter, your host. This is the place where we talk about the ideas, issues, and trends that shape our everyday life. What sort of behavior should an individual practice to stay strong and healthy as they progress into their 90th year and on? One researcher, Dr. Thomas Pearls, professor of medicine at Boston University Chobanian and Avedisian School of Medicine, has suggested an answer. Quote, If you're getting to 95, you're usually doing that because of really good health behaviors as well as benefiting from good luck and good genes. He listed five daily practices to up our chances of living to 90. They include, number one, manage your stress levels. Number two, get good sleep. Number three, eat healthily. Stick to a Mediterranean or keto-type diet that foregrounds whole foods, healthy fats, and lots of fruits and vegetables. Also, Avoid excess red meats. And number four, exercise often. Strength training twice a week and aerobic exercise three times a week, even if it is just for 10 minutes a day. And number five, avoid smoking. On today's episode of Keeping Current, I'll be talking about good, healthy behaviors with a gentleman who has just recently reached the age of 90. His name is Wayne Sabin. He lives in Milwaukee, Oregon. I met Wayne more than a year ago and have gotten to know more about him every time I meet with him in a weekly men's group. Wayne recently was the center of an article in the 50 Plus magazine, PDX. The title of the article was Wayne's Walks. The article covers his life quite thoroughly, including his exercise routine and personal history. He is a wonderful example of making a strong commitment to healthy behaviors. Stephen, welcome to the Keeping Current program. It's good to have you on my show. Well, thank you. I enjoy being invited, and thanks for inviting me at this lovely time of the day. Well, you're more than welcome for that. So I thought today we could uh, sort of explore some of the experiences in your life, and perhaps we could start off with a little piece of background. And I I believe you were raised in the Milwaukee, Oregon area over time, and maybe you could give me a little history of what that was like. Well, I'd have to start back in uh, uh, 1945 at the end of World War II, Mm -hmm. because that's when I moved from New Mexico, where I was born, uh, to the state of Oregon, uh, where my dad took a job in Springfield, Oregon, as the principal of Springfield High School, where I ended graduating from in 50, 52. And then I moved to 
of Milwaukee. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you were so moving around A little, around little quite a bit. of the background there it is over right. a number of years. So, so your dad um, was as the head of a household was an educator. Oh yes. So, so explain a little bit about that history. Well, it was not only my dad that was an educator. My mom was too, and I had uh, two sisters, and both of them became school teachers, the oh, same goodness. as myself. So we were a family of school teachers. Wow. So eventually you got a teaching certificate and taught in school. What was the nature of that work? Okay, well, it's uh, a long story, I guess. I'll make it as short as possible. I started um, college at Portland State in 1952, mm -hmm. just after graduating from high school. And I was so interested in that time in sports because sports really was the only thing that kept me in school. If it hadn't been for football and track, I wouldn't have probably graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed the uh, enjoyed the sports so much that I stayed in school, and that's why I graduated from high school and I started college at uh, Portland State, and I wanted to pursue some type of a degree, and I didn't know what, but I did uh, enjoy playing football and track at Portland State and lettered both the years I was there. Mm -hmm. And I figured I'd just major in physical education. Right. So so did you sort of get high on on the exhilaration that you experienced in that, or was it, did you like a sort of a sense of winning and competition? It was just a lot of fun. Okay. You know, fun. and that's, okay. that's what kept me in school. I loved recess. Okay. I loved to play around. <laughs> and uh, I loved people around, that people were around me playing games. And so I learned all the kiddie games that you learn as a kid, mm -hmm. and I uh, enjoyed so much uh, the sports sports world, and I wanted to become part of it as a school teacher. Wow. Okay. And then uh, when you began to teach, then where did where did that lead you? Where did you go? What schools did you teach in? And well, first of all, I had uh, as. I was going to be drafted in the Army if I didn't uh, do something about it. Oh. And so I joined uh, the Marine Corps Reserve, which gave me a four-year deferment mm -hmm. and a commission upon graduation oh. and a two-year obligation. So I had to finish college uh, down at the uh, University of Oregon because Portland State was only a two-year institution at oh, that really? time. Oh, my gosh. And so I went down to the University of Oregon to finish up during my junior and senior year. I commissioned a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps on the same day that I graduated with a degree in health and physical education. And I went into the Marine Corps for two years. And coming out of the Marine Corps, I had to look for a job. And I was looking for a job as a teacher. So I landed a job up the creek. Up, up the river Columbia, Columbia River, in a place called Cascade Locks, and it was a small, small school. Mm -hmm. We played six-man football. Oh, really? And the graduating <laughs> class probably had twelve people in oh, it. Oh my goodness! And I think every boy in school uh, came out for football. So that was where I got my experience, and I was there for three years. Yeah. 
But I mean, you went somewhere else after that. Oh, yes. Uh, I was so fortunate because uh, I landed a job in Germany uh, teaching with the Department of the Army on base, American schools on base in Germany. And I would had a family at that time. I had a wife and I had a daughter, one year old. And Jill was her name. And uh, the, her her sister, Linda, was still in the basket okay. when we left for <laughs> Germany, and we were only going to be there for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be 36. Oh, my gosh. I, so I was there most of my adult life as a teacher in Germany at different schools, but all of them American school in a foreign country. So you were you spoke English basically? Oh yeah, it was definitely English. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I knew a little bit of German. You might call it conversational German. Uh, in German, they say "Ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch," and that was about the limit of my German. <laughs> and I even had trouble speaking English sometimes. Okay. <laughs> so you spent thirty years there. Yeah. Yeah. So did you retire from that then? or Actually, I did. Okay. I almost didn't retire. I loved the German people. I loved teaching, and I loved the uh, situation that I was in. I was uh, coaching track and field, and I made many good friends with my athletes. In fact, my children both were one of, one of my athletes for me in cross country oh. and track. And I almost didn't come home, but then it came down to the time when I had to make a decision rather to spend the rest of my life in Germany or come home. And, of course, I had uh, my mother and father were of age at that time. I owned some property. Uh, My children were college age and going to school at uh, Oregon State. And so all of that above um, made me think I'll I'll go I'll retire and come back to my home right. in Oregon. And did you end up back in Milwaukee? I ended up back in Milwaukee exactly. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you had a lot of history in this area, despite the fact that you were away. Your family was still here. I mean, you're. Oh, yeah, my mother and my father, right. and uh, I had relatives in Canby, not far away. Right. I had lost uh, my grandfather at that time, and, of course, my mom and dad were late, late, were retired and late, uh, late in life. Right, yeah. Now, all, all of your life hasn't been all roses. I mean, you've had some dark sides to your life, and at, at some point, uh, I understand it, you, you became an alcoholic during your oh, adult yes. years. I don't know how that started or how that affected you. Perhaps you could describe some of that. Yeah, you know, it was a really a strange thing. I started uh, drinking alcohol when I was in high school. And I was uh, what you might call a functional athlete, uh, excuse me, a functional alcoholic for most of my life. I was able to function and function real well and never really got sick or drunk from it. I was just... I enjoyed uh, the the feeling that I got from the consumption of alcohol, beer in particular, more than anything else. And I didn't realize that I was gradually becoming addicted. And it wasn't until later on in life that uh, I found out later on in life, 19, 
96, I found out that I was addicted to alcohol. I thought it was all I have to do. Of course, I just stopped buying booze and not drink anymore. Right. And I found out I couldn't. So I was addicted to alcohol, and I uh, heard stories about a 12-step program. And I entered that 12-step program, and it changed my life. It was all I needed to do was to follow one step at a time. One step. Take one day at a time. And I found this a a treasure in my lifetime. And I found recovery from that. Uh, I'm still recovering from alcohol because I don't drink anymore. But I uh, one drink and I lose it all again. Yeah. You know, I have the disease of right. alcoholism. Right. Yeah. This is Keeping Current, the place where we talk about the ideas and issues that shape your everyday life. For more information, you can turn to www.keepingcurrent.com. That's Keeping Current with two Ks. This is Wayne Potter, your host and producer. And now back to our show. Well, that was a dark side of your life, but uh, since 1996, obviously, you've traditioned away from some of that kind of stuff, and you you became very active in, in sports as a senior in your life, and at, at, uh, you became what what is noted as a sports champion in field trials uh, at the at the uh, in, in the Masters competition. Perhaps you could describe how that fits into all of this game plan. Oh boy, what an interesting question! <laughs> what an interesting part of my life. I was uh, old enough that uh, I couldn't run anymore, but I could still walk. And I was uh, not able to run, so I couldn't do any of the age-level competitions that required running. But, you know, I could throw. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting thing because one of my athletes from Germany uh, gave me a call one day from the University of Oregon, and he says his name was... He was he he was an athlete of mine in Germany, and then he had moved back to uh, moved back to the states because his dad was in the in the army, and he ended up uh, joining what's called age level competition in track and field. And he gave me a call one day and said, "Hey, coach, uh, this is Larry Norris. You remember me? I used to own the." <laughs> Uh, school record in cross country at 3,000 meters, and I'm mm. now competing in age level competition in the half mile and the and the, the quarter mile hurdles. And I'm going to run on Saturday. And why don't you come down and see me run? I'm going to be at the falls, uh, and you could uh, meet me there. And I love to uh, love to see you, and I want you to see me run. So I did. Mm. I went down to uh, where he was competing, and I got to see him again. Hadn't seen him for years. And I was looking around at these old guys, <laughs> and these old guys were throwing the shot and the discus and the javelin. And, you know, I said, you know what? I could do that. And so I picked up. The hobby, mm -hmm. and it was a hobby of me, of throwing the shot, the discus, the javelin, uh, the hammer, and the superweight. 
and I was introduced to competition for senior athletes called age level competition, and that became another hobby. Hmm. So where would, where would you go? I mean, you didn't have the equipment, I don't think, in your house. <laughs> so don't you have to go somewhere and be in a specific field? And does well, somebody organize that for you so you can? What what a good question. Uh, you have to have the equipment, and that's one thing is I I just had to buy. I had to buy a shot put oh. and a discus and a javelin and a hammer. And I look around at fields that are available in parks and at churches. There okay. be a place, uh, uh, some place around the church or some place around where there's a yard. In fact, I use my own yard sometimes. So it was a matter of uh, taking advantage of whatever I could come up with. And, of course, I had friends that helped me out. Uh, a lot, of, and uh, mm. some of them are not living anymore, but they got me started uh, in age-level competition, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Well, at, at some point, you became the top regional age group thrower <laughs> at the American Masters level. Uh, what did that mean? Well, I'll tell you what, that was back in Boston. Oh, wow. Okay. And I went back to Boston, and... Uh, I was uh, had entered the national finals, national mean the USA finals, and uh, I was in uh, three of the events that day. I was in the shot and the discus and the weight, doing real well. I felt good about it. I had a friend that was there uh, watching me uh, throw, and uh, unknowingly I was able to. Uh, throw this uh, 30-pound weight uh, over 30 feet for a new uh, national record for my age group at that time, which I think was uh, 80-84, age group 80-84. Mm, wow. And that does that record still hold today? You know what? The last I heard, the record still holds. Oh, my God. Huh? <laughs> at... Uh, and I think about being able to having a, a venue like a like competition where you can go throughout the the state or throughout the country and you can find competition for your own age group right. and you have so much fun with it. You meet yeah. some wonderful people. Now you just turned ninety. So yes. does that that put you in another group? Exactly. I'm in the age group 90 to 94. Oh my god. <laughs> and I I only know of one other person in the state of Oregon is that's in the 90 year old and he's one of my best friends. Oh. <laughs> and he happens to be a world record holder oh, in no. some of the events. <laughs> so I'll be visiting with him uh, uh, uh this month on the 15th I'm going down to the Prefontaine uh, Masters uh, Championship in uh, Coos Bay, and I imagine I'll be seeing Harvey uh, down there. Right, right. <laughs> I think Harvey's still throwing. It okay. was last year anyway. <laughs> well, that's a wonderful experience, and it's wonderful to have these long-standing relationships with people that have a common interest. That is a lot to do with it, you know. Uh, that's one of the mo most enjoyable thing about living is that you make some wonderful friends. And the wonderful friends that you have 
make your life what it is. Right. It's wonderful to have that happen to you. And to have friends that are still live and active and doing the kind of things like that. Isn't that wonderful? That yeah. must be a miracle, but it is. <laughs> it, 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 it certainly is for me. Well, apparently sometime around 1996, you, you, you sort of made a, a slight turn from the, the activities. You weren't a runner, but you decided to do some walking, and you made some commitments. I don't know quite how that started, but apparently you 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 started up what you called Wayne's Walks on Wednesdays, yeah. which is something that <laughs> happens within our local community, in the Milwaukee community, uh, which is close by here. Oh, guys, what an interesting story. Yes, I was... Uh, I always loved to walk. They taught me to walk, of course, in the Marine Corps. Uh, okay. You live on your feet. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, I continued to walk. It was uh, something that I could thoroughly enjoy. And uh, in Germany, uh, they had a lot of uh, what they call a Volksmarch. And that was uh, started an uh, organization that started to spread throughout the world where you walk for five kilometers or ten kilometers and you get a little medal for doing or a little something uh, something to remember your walk that day by. And, of course, you had a beer right, right afterwards. Oh, okay. And, uh, enjoyed the fellowship on the way. Mm -hmm. You had a good chance to visit with your friends. And that was more of the habit that I established as the enjoyment of walking. And then after I retired, I was looking for somebody to walk with, and uh, my wife was not uh, of the kind that wanted to walk. So I was looking around for somebody to walk with, and finally uh, the Presbyterian minister here in Milwaukee uh, loved to walk, and I took her on a little walk out at the Milwaukee Center. And we had such an enjoyable time. You know, the conversation that you have with people is just precious. And she said, Wayne, if you like walking so well, why don't you organize a club okay. and invite other people to join you? And so that's exactly what I did. I decided to call it Walk with Wayne on Wednesday, www, and it's not a website. <laughs> and uh, I attracted other people that wanted to walk. And we just, what what, what we did was the same thing with the 12-step program. You meet the same time, you meet the same place, you do the same thing, and you repeat the enjoyable things about it mm -hmm. to each other each time. So this is what I did, and I started meeting friends and talking to them, and they enjoyed it. And before I knew it, I had uh, 10 or 12 years gone by, My continue goodness. to still walk. I'll be walking on Wednesday, <laughs> okay. and this is what I've invited other people to do, and because of that, I've made many new friends again. Yeah. And well, well, if you were to promote it, what would you say to people? Where would they meet you at what time and at what place? We meet at the Milwaukee Center at 10 o'clock on Wednesday. And uh, I drive a red car, and I park in the parking lot over by the ball field. And we meet there until everybody shows up. And anywhere between uh, five and ten people show up, and they go for a walk. Oh, very good. And I used to walk, uh, you know, 
uh, be able to cover five kilometers in my walk. And now it's down to only two. I can only do two kilometers, but I still love doing it and doing the same thing with the same people at the same time, <laughs> week after week. Yeah, it was in, in the broad picture. How would you? How do you think this experience has added to your own longevity in this life? Well, you know, I think that that, of course, along with gene pool. Uh, my father was 92 uh, when the Lord called him. And uh, his wife, my mother, uh, lived for five more years to 98. And then uh, I had two sisters. Uh, one was a year older than me that uh, passed from Alzheimer's. And then a younger sister, 10 years younger, uh, had passed. And I was uh, left alone as the last uh, family hmm. member. And I had to contribute that to... Of course, uh, longevity, and I had to had to realize that it had something to do with the exercise program that I've been doing all my life, right. especially coming into older age right, right. and continuing on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. Now I remember you you had an article that was written about you in a magazine called Fifty Plus. PDX or Portland, yeah. Uh, and as part of that, you you described you sort of had a uh, a message about living a long life. I don't know if you remember the specific words that you shared with, but it was a pretty powerful uh, statement. I was trying to think where is that where is that right? And maybe you want to read it again in case you don't remember. It was it was the last paragraph. In in the story, and this was a quote from you. Do you remember that? I owe my longevity to exercise, he said, and it has to to be enjoyable. I'd advise others to do something daily, be active, and be around people. I was born with the gift of being upbeat and positive. <laughs> Walking on Wednesday is like going to church because hmm. you're around people that you enjoy. And I often thought it was live the life that you love and love the life that you live. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement. Well, thank you. Making to people. And I, I don't know, um, you know, how people resonate with that. I don't know. I, I assume that you sort of exude that kind of sense of belief just being around people. And they must be attracted to that kind of thing because they'll see you're an example yes. of having come to that part. Do you have any sense of how people respond to you? I mean, you love people, so... Well, you know, I think it comes down to really one particular idea. And thanks for asking, because I've, I think about it this way. We all know that God is love. And if God is love, God loves you. And if God loves you, you love God. And you love others. And just by taking that one word, L-O-V-E, and show it by the way you walk, by the way you live your life, you'll find that other people uh, are attracted to you. If you're a lover, 
you will attract lovers. Right. right. And that's what uh, so much of it is, is the people that you meet and the people that you learn to love. Right, yeah. Well, Wayne Saban, it's been a wonderful opportunity to have you share your story this morning and particularly about how how so much of these events and, and experiences and your outlook and your demeanor have, have created a, a wonderful opportunity for you in the long period of life that you've been able to uh, spend so far. I want to say thank you very much for sharing that story. Well, thank you, Wayne, for so much. And it just reminds me that the, the heart is uh, the heart is the language of love. And you get to use that language of love in your conversation. Mm -hmm. And you today have given me the golden opportunity to communicate, to talk man to man, eyeball to eyeball, (laughs) about the language of the heart, Mm -hmm. the way you feel and the way you think. And it's been just a wonderful, wonderful experience. So thank you, Wayne. Well, you're more than welcome. And I look forward to sharing this with many more people out there. Well, I certainly hope so. Thank you. This has been another edition of Keeping Current with Wayne Potter.